Hello, and welcome to season two of Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is here to help bridge the gap between technology and people through each informative episode. On this show, you'll hear exclusive interviews with experts and innovators in the tech space. No matter your level of expertise or ability, I believe you can be excited, informed, and empowered to learn how the rapidly evolving tech world impacts your daily life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when new episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening and welcome to Coffee and Code. Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Code. I'm excited to have a very special guest on the show with me today, Mr. Tanner Smith. Tanner is very well-rounded and very faceted. He has his own business. He has a great story about going from musician to software engineer. Um, and I'm so excited to have him on the show today. So without further ado, welcome to Coffee and Code, Mr. Tanner Smith. Thank you for having me here. Can I call you Mr. Smith? Sure, yeah, just like the Matrix. Yes, yes, <laughs> I like that, I like that. Um, Tanner, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So, let's see, I am a classically trained guitarist. Um, I was in a ska punk band. Um, I graduated with a music business degree from Southern Nazarene University here in Bethany. Um, and now I'm a software engineer. It's funny how it happens when you graduate with a music business degree and there are no jobs in the field, so then you find a way to make money. Yes. You make, you forged your own path, but at the same time, you didn't really, no one really knew where we were going to be when we were in college, right? And like right. figuring out what our plan is. So. It's amazing that you've like kind of found what your passion is mm -hmm. and found a way to intersect those into two areas. So um, bravo to you, because that's a lot of hard work. It was a journey for sure. Um, a lot of it started in sales, um, where I was like working for startups in Buffalo, New York when I moved up there. Um, I actually wanted to be a composer for video games. Um, oh. So I took a video game composition course at OCU. Um, but that was so much fun. It was so much fun. I learned so much. Uh, Chance Thomas, he wrote like music for King Kong and uh, Lord of the Rings Online. Um, he was a great professor um, of that course. And I actually applied, in order to take that course, I had to apply to OCU wow. to get in after I graduated. So I graduated SNU and I was like right back in school because I went to OCU and then, um, you know, took this course and he ended up having a, his um, person he taught um, was actually... Um, the lead audio director at Ubisoft Toronto. Wow. So it was like a perfect, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm planning on going up to Toronto. He's like, well, I'll connect you with Richie Nieto over at Ubisoft. So I actually got to meet him and go up there. Um, and unfortunately, due to like the nature of my visa, I wasn't actually able to um, work for them. But I did get a lot of valuable experience, kind of got connected up there. Um, but yeah, moving down to Buffalo after my visa expired, I got involved in some software startups and realized, you know, all the mistakes they were making and like why like how are these people getting so much funding why are they doing all these things like if they're making these basic mistakes mm -hmm. and I was like well I went from sales software sales I was like I could do this so 
that's kind of where I got in. That's my first start into thinking about like software and um, finding a CTO, kind of all that stuff. So uh, we can get into that, but that's just yeah, the the whole journey of it is just a wild ride. So. I love that because it's so exciting to hear you talk about that because I can imagine it was probably a whirlwind all at once going from like the kind of predictable, calm-ish music industry, I mean classical, um, trained uh, guitarist. It's very different. It's a different pace for sure. Yeah. Um, So I'm curious, what was like one of the most interesting things that you kind of gleaned from that whole whirlwind? Um... Well, I mean, everything is not what it seems, you know. Um, you think that there's a lot of jobs in the music industry because you see people making money in music. It's like, well, these these people have been in the, the positions that they're in for decades, potentially, and they're not wanting to leave, you know. So it's kind of a, a, an industry that's dominated by um, a lot of lifers, essentially. Yeah. And when you try to push your way in it's either through favors or through some sort of like weird roundabout way um there's no direct access right you could go live in nashville for 10 years i guess and make your way in that scene and and do all the things with all the people who know somebody and network your way into it but you're still making pennies compared to what the people compared to where you feel like you uh what you got your degree for you know being in working for a record label or doing something like a classic, that classic move. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of jobs in record labels, you know, with the, the invention of streaming services. And I mean, really, ideally, it'd be great to go work at Spotify. Yeah. Right? All the way, I think they're in Sweden. It's like, well, not everybody can just pack up and move to Sweden. <laughs> That'd be um, great. Yeah. So, um, you know, just a lot of, we, we like to think that we know it all um, based on, the knowledge, you know, the college know-it-all, everybody hears that term thrown around. It is kind of true. I mean, you graduate, you're like, oh, I can go get a degree, I can go get a job, and um, you kind of get into the reality of things, and you're you're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. So um, I was kind of, I think that's probably the biggest thing, is just realizing that you really don't know anything. So, um, wow. about especially about the music industry. Wow. So. That's pretty powerful. I would consider that a mic drop statement. <laughs> because you can apply that to life, just like, do we really know everything? True. <laughs> I was just having a conversation about this uh, with somebody else today. So, yeah, we, we truly don't know everything. Yeah. Um, but we, we don't know anything, really. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, all we know is that we don't know anything. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's some comfort in that. Yes, 100%. 100%. Well, Tanner, so with all of this journey from music to software development and kind of bridging the gap there what about your morning routine i love asking guests about their morning routine so in two minutes or less can you tell us a little bit about yours and what sets you up for success yeah so i um i recently funny enough got into listening to more podcasts and kind of got involved with the Andrew Huberman podcast. Oh, um, great podcast. Fantastic information and um, kind science of got based. my first, yes, science-based, got my first start into kind of the thought of keto and intermittent fasting. I'd heard about these things, never really tried them. So I started trying them and they're fantastic. I mean, and a lot of people will debunk them. A lot of people will, um, you know, maybe say, want it. There's a lot, the science is not totally 
100% on either side. Mm -hmm. You know, they're still doing a lot of research on long-term effects. Obviously, you're not supposed to do keto for a long amount oh, of time yeah. or intermittent fasting for a long amount of time. It's kind of more of like a quick thing. But I have been recently doing that. So, um, you know, my, my morning routine is drinking a cup of lemon water, you know, mm -hmm. um, and maybe taking a few vitamins, doing some... Uh, some stretches. Um, sometimes it is a little bit of yoga in the morning mm -hmm. just to get you know all of the kinks out when you yeah. wake up, um, because we are our most tense and kind of uh, yeah um, stiff in the morning. And sometimes doing a meditation. You know, I'll I do um, the Insight Timer app, which is really great. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of great guided meditations on there. Sometimes I'll just sit with my thoughts for five minutes. But yeah, I've also been doing a lot of cycling in the morning. Um, nice. I go to this um, wonderful community called Cycle Society here in the city, and uh, they're fantastic. They, um, you know, 5.30 in the morning, I wake up, go do that. It's right across the street from me, so it's perfect, <laughs> uh, perfect location. And uh, it's just, it's a great start to get the endorphins going for the day, mm -hmm. um, right after a meditation or something. So yeah, it's, that's, yeah, and then I go to work, so. Wow. That's amazing. You you do a lot before you even start work for the day, but I'm sure yeah. that sets a good tone for how you show up yes. in the day and throughout the day as well. It keeps you, yeah, you know that five, uh, not five o'clock, the two o'clock crash that you usually get after lunch or something, you don't really get that when you start the day with endorphins or, um, you know, it's like the equivalent of taking a cold shower. You're like awake for the entire day, so. Yeah, yeah, cold showers are great. And about the Andrew Huberman mm -hmm. podcast, I recently learned from his podcast to wait an hour from when you wake up to consume caffeine yes because you want to let your adenosine clear out your cortisol instead of caffeine clearing it out and i was like what yeah yeah and doing that and it yes yeah i used hacks. to i used to wake up um and just drink a cup of coffee you know to try to get the and yeah that lemon water is perfect to start the metabolism going you know right after sleeping um, and then again, the intermittent fasting, I don't eat until about 2 p.m. So, um, you know, I'll go to my last meal is by the end of like 7 o'clock p.m. So I'm going like a 16 hour 16. fast, usually maybe an 18 hour fast, depending on how far I can push it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great because you don't have that crash, you don't feel the grogginess. Um, and I mean, I've lost a lot of, I mean, I've lost a lot of fat. So. <laughs> Way to go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great. You're working out, you're doing things, but you're also losing fat, and you're able to eat the things that you want to eat because you're kind of limiting the amount of, um, you know, spikes that you have during the day, so. Yeah, that's overall just good for your health. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm curious, um, going back to your musicianship roots and yes. your time as a software developer, you seem like to have cultivated all of your experiences into like where you are right now. So let's talk about your company, fanwave.io. So yeah. talk to us about what it is and what it does. Okay. And then we can go into how you got there. So the vision, the main vision for Fanwave is to reshape the, the live entertainment industry. So that includes comedians, musicians, anything that is light of entertainment. Um, we really want to focus on all sides of it so for fans for for artists and for the venues themselves um, the way that great shows are built is through data-driven um, data-driven management right 
data-driven approach to booking. Um, and usually what venues will do is they'll maybe, they'll, they'll maybe pick the flavor of the month or they will hear from somebody that heard from somebody that a great band is, um, you know, this person's band out of their garage and they'd be a great fit for this show that's coming through, right? So it's usually like, that's kind of how you hear the term like big break. Um, you know, they had their big break playing with so-and-so, right? At the Criterion or at the Tower, um, Paycom Center, whatever. Um, our, the goal with this is to not only provide an incentive for fans to go out more mm -hmm. and kind of help them rank up at their favorite venues, but also provide the data to bands and venues so that they're able to make better decisions on where they book. So for a band that'd be seeing their data over time saying, okay, we had an average crowd draw of maybe five when we first started. Now we have an average crowd draw of like 30, 40. So they know they're doing the right thing, mm -hmm. right? For, for venues, they get to see that um, linearly um, and they see, okay, this band has been doing a great job. They've been playing all these shows. They've been promoting themselves. They've been doing, they've been going the extra mile. Let's take a shot at them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and they also know that based off of their crowd draw, they're probably going to bring in a few people. Mm -hmm. So it's less of a, a risk for venues. So the venue makes more money, the band gets more publicity, and um, the fan has a better show. So it's kind of, it kind of touches on all angles. So that was the main vision, and that came from um, me being in my own ska punk band. Um, yeah. Seeing how hard it is to book shows and what the word of mouth is, um, <laughs> we had a really great show that we put together and it was through, through creativity. Um, we actually played with Sublime with Rome and Dirty Heads and Bowling for Soup when they came through wow. here at Zoo Amphitheater. That's so cool. And it was during the time of Facebook when everybody was like looking at your Facebook likes. Mm -hmm. Well, we had this ingenious plan. Okay, we're gonna make a Facebook page called Sunnyside Up, which is, that was the band name, mm -hmm. to play with Sublime with Rome um, and just pay for likes. So oh, we okay. paid for like a week's worth of likes for like, I don't know, like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. So we had 5,000 likes on there and we, we showed it to the concert promoter because they don't do enough, they didn't do any research, yeah. right? They didn't, they don't, they just looked at the likes, they looked at the number, they're like, oh, well, a bunch of people really wanted you to play. So we <laughs> literally, we, we went from playing a show okay. in front of 6,000 people to going to Bad Grannies the next night and playing in front of 450. Are you serious? You know, so it was, oh, like, it was, very, it was so a very creative. humbling experience, but it was like, yeah, we got the show, and it's like, hey, you didn't do, like, and I'm sure a bunch of people listen, if there are any of those bands that we beat you, hey, you know, we beat you in ingenuity, you know, it's yes. like, um, you could have done the same thing, we Being came up with the idea, harder. exactly, so, um, yeah, it was a great, it was a great show, we had a lot of fun, we have uh, a live album on Bandcamp from it. Sounds terrible because we're all nervous as shit, but it's it's great. I mean, it was a really fun experience, and that was like the highlight of my musical career. So. Wow, what a so. fun story! Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's funny, you're not the only one. I was listening to an interview with Molly Shannon recently, mm -hmm. and she did something similar to get her first role on as a as a like side character on Twin Peaks. Okay. And David Lynch. Yeah, David yeah. Lynch's world. And I was like, what? But hearing that, I was thinking, you know, it is about thinking smarter, not harder. Yeah. If everyone is approaching competition on the same plane of existence, then where where's your innovation? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's that I mean that that segues perfectly into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there's this guy, I just I just watched this um, quick little short on a guy who got tired of um, 
you know, these pills coming in for, um, like these sex pills, right? They help you, whatever, do perform better, right? Mm -hmm. um, now there's this guy who turned that compound from the pill into a chocolate. What? So it's like you share it with your partner and it's like a whole thing where you don't have to feel like, um, you don't have to feel like weirded out by the pill or, or like shame. anything. Yeah, or shame. Yeah, okay. You just eat chocolate together. That's and then nice. so it's like you get the same feeling, you get the same effect, mm -hmm. but it's in chocolate form. So it's like, that's smarter, right? It's the same, it's the same product. It's just, mm -hmm. it's a different presentation. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, that is the, that is entrepreneurship. Solving a problem that you find exists and solving it in a, I guess, a, an easy way. So. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm very curious to hear with learning software engineering, mm -hmm. can you tell us more about like how you dipped your toe into that world? Because that seems like quite the leap to go from musician to software. I mean, like, did you have friends that were in this space? Talk to us about that journey. Yeah, so I, um, at really what it came down to was when I was starting, so when I was in Buffalo, um, I met and worked in a, an amazing space for a bunch of different startups. Um, it was essentially, the, I think it's called the Innovation Center, actually. Mm. Um, it was right next to a, a nice little, like, hospital area. Anyway, a lot of medical startups, a lot of different startups um, were there. I worked first for a company called ACV Auctions. Mm -hmm. um, and being there and going to work there every day, I started networking with people, going around this, you know, the, uh, the area, and met with a guy um, named Scott from a company called Kangaroo Time. And they had recently won like some of the money from the 43 North competition, so they were relatively new. They were from they're out of California. Now they have an office in Australia. I mean, wow. he's like one of my mentors. Um, he suggested I got I get involved in this thing called the Founders Institute, which is actually based out of California, and they wow. have one in Buffalo. And it was the first year, and so I joined it. And it basically goes from you know incorporation all the way to like realization of a product, right? So. Then we pitch at the end, and we're pitching every single week. And so I was like, wow, I could really be an entrepreneur. And I couldn't find a CTO. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, how do I find a CTO? Well, that's the hardest part, right? You have a business person who's looking for a CTO. Maybe you just network, and you try to find somebody, and you do, like, an interview process. And it was like, man, nobody is as passionate about this idea as I am. So it's like, okay. Thankfully, um, I had the the foresight to just be like, okay, well, I'm going to leave Buffalo. I'm going to come back to Oklahoma City. And that was right before COVID happened. That happened in wow. 2019. So I came back in t July of 2019, um, and I had all this experience, all this high from being an entrepreneur and, like, kind of focusing on what was called Bands to Watch at the time. That was the name of my company. Um, I came back, and I started looking. I got involved in the tech community, talked to a few people, started just branching out and telling as many people as I could about this idea. And... Um, still no bites so I was like okay well I'm not a musician I'm working in the restaurant industry right I just I came back and I just got a job in bartending and, and serving and I'm like I gotta do something so it was either between IT which I've done a lot of in my time or do some software engineering boot camp and I was like well IT would be certifications software boot camp would be a little longer but it would be It'd probably be more up my alley because I like to create, I like to build and um, solve problems, which is really what kind of led me to it. I was like, okay, 
my buddy, who I've known for 25 years, had just graduated from this program, or was in like the middle, almost about to graduate. He's like, man, you should really do this. Mm -hmm. So he kind of referred me, I got a discount, I started this thing through Coding Dojo. Um, It was a 16 week program. I graduated with a black belt, which is like the highest, um, because you like finish your exam in time. Thank you. And um, yeah, got to, you know, finish that and really just love the problem solving aspect of it. And then kind of just started ripping away at a portfolio, um, talking to a few people, talking to a few of my friends who were software engineers. And um, yeah, kind of the rest is history. I mean, it really, it went from looking for a CTO to wanting to get into software because I knew that I could potentially build my product if I needed to. And then I realized, you know, after finishing, you're like, okay, well, this is a big ask. You know, you really have to dedicate a lot of time to it per weekend, per night, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, well, now I need a team. Mm-hmm. And that started where, that's kind of where I started reaching out to Techlahoma and, you know, reaching out to people for free resources, um, which is where it led me to my designer. Shelby, she's great. She put together this great design that we were able to build in React and do a whole MVP process where we launched it for, um, we basically from from start to finish from last January to April, um, we built it in four months. Um, wow. We get together at Prairie, uh, um, Prairie Arts and Ales and have like a weekly meeting and just kind of hash out some things. And um, yeah, shout out to Zach Mays and Sage Cross for their help on that and um, also Cal Corbin. Um, Everybody worked really hard on it, and we got it launched, and everybody really loved it. Um, we had a lot of users. I think we peaked. Um, I think we peaked close to like three thousand by the what? end of it. Yeah. Wow. So um, that's incredible. Not not weekly, but yeah. I mean, but it was great. It was a great, and I was like, this is what I need to be doing, and now and then I took it down, right? Because I was the wizard behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I You're was the one. Doing it I was manually putting in the events. I was going to every single event every single venue, every single week. And I like backloaded it for like six months and then would try to do that every month, every week, but it was just too much for one person. Yeah. So then we built it out. Um, it's currently offline. I put the, the landing page back up, but um, yeah, essentially we're in the process of rebuilding it right now. We're building it actually without code. So we're building it in a no code solution. Low code, no code, Low code no code, where it, when I hear a uh, suggestion from maybe an artist or a venue or something, I'll be able to quickly iterate and not have to worry about the code. Wow, so, that's a huge unlock. Yes. So that was a huge takeaway from from the MVP version is like, okay, we need to build it in a way that's sustainable and scalable, but also a way that when I hear about a feature, we don't spend weeks or months building out this feature just for it to fail or just for somebody to not use it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It'll be kind of like a separate build sort of thing. So, I like that. That's that's really cool because I see a lot of things going towards like a low code no code um, mm-hmm. format because it's easier to kind of bridge those gaps and the people that are involved in the decision making on a project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also like went in and I kind of immersed myself within FanWave and like just ideating on the concept of it. And my best friend and I recently went to a concert, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking, like, this is an amazing experience to be able to interact in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like, you're no longer behind a ticket master to engage with your artists, like, what you love. Like, 
that was such a huge piece that re I really enjoy and mm -hmm. why I choose the streaming apps that I do so I can connect with those artists. So I really love your concept and like where it's going because I think that's what we need. We need mm -hmm. these startups with more innovative ideas, honestly, mm -hmm. to, and I don't want to say compete, there's no competing with Ticketmaster, right? Yeah. But like, if you want to have authentic music experiences, you got to think outside the box. And I like yes. that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah, that's, it's really, and absolutely, Ticketmaster is a pain in the ass. Um, I mean, it is, it, them and even Eventbrite, I mean, these big companies that have tried to just pull a monopoly on this. If you had one stop shop for your local guidebook to the music scene in any city you're at, right, it would be great. And then if you could interact with those venues, like, say you go there, you buy, like, hundred dollars worth of drinks you earn all those points towards that venue then you show up maybe a year later those points are saved and you're like this like the silver level or gold level you know uh, fan yeah you have access to maybe extra tickets or whatever you know just like little incentives uh, maybe half off drinks you know I don't know just all these little things that would help fans be able to experience the music scene in a more like VIP kind of way mm -hmm. so Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that in terms of knowing the, what the websites are, mm -hmm. because my approach, whenever I go to a new place, I don't even get on the internet. I go look at the posters around town. Yeah. I go walk to the coffee shops, where's the library, just mm -hmm. kind of pay attention to what's out in the lobby. And nine times out of ten, you're, you'll find something yeah. that'll lead you to something else, and you can start pulling a thread, but it's interesting that we're in 2023. And we still don't have something like what FanWave is. Yeah, nothing comprehensive. Yeah. Yeah. It started as a comprehensive music calendar, and that was the MVP, and that took off, and now we're like, we're, we're building the real thing. And it's not, maybe it's not a, an app that you download, but it's going to be an app that functions very similarly. Mm -hmm. So it's a web app. So. I like that. Makes it more accessible yes. as well. Yes, yes. Well, I'm curious, what resources do you have for those listening who want to learn more about what you're up to, whether it's fan wave or mm -hmm. your musical explorations or meditations? Um, Inside app for medit or like Inside Timer for meditations, um, um, any type of online learning resources like YouTube, Udemy. Um, Plural space or plural site. I think that's what it's yeah, called. Plural, plural site. Plural site. Yeah. Um, that's a really good one. All those great. I mean, there's so much information out there, and I mean, it's just, it's so accessible. I mean, twelve dollars for like a eighteen hour course. Like, you can't tell me you don't have twelve dollars. You're spending twelve dollars at the at the bar, right? Like on it's a drink. The time yeah, it's the, the time discipline. and the discipline exactly. Um, as far, I mean, one of the, I think one of the best things I can say. Um, I'm a huge, I mean, obviously I told you I cycle, but I'm a huge proponent of just like eating healthy, like prioritizing healthy foods, prioritizing sleep, hydration, and fitness in general, doing something like get your body moving. Um, you know, as a software engineer, I've noticed that my body's moving way less because I'm sitting down all the time or even at a standing desk or I'm standing, um, walk around, get some air, get some fresh air, change the scenery. You know, it's the best thing you can do for your mental health. Um, as far as FanWave goes, we do have an Instagram. It's fanwave.io. Um, I think it's fanwave.io on Twitter. I think I recently deleted my Twitter because... I completely understand yeah. that. I haven't used it yeah. since the, since the takeover. Yeah. yeah, so sad. Yeah. Um, 
Facebook as well, um, and then our website, which is www.fanwave.io. Nice. Um, and it'll give you an idea of kind of the vision that I just explained, and um, you'll be able to sign up for our newsletter, which will tell you when our um, when our new app is coming out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the biggest thing. Fitness, <laughs> fitness in general, it will help you so much in your life. I mean, even if you're not looking to be a bodybuilder, just getting a, a few thousand extra steps per day mm-hmm. will help you tremendously. Um, and just for prioritizing healthy foods. So human optimization. Human optimization. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. It branches yeah. into every other area of your life. Before you know it, you're doing cool stuff. Yeah, you have more energy. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, we're like, had I not got the right amount of sleep, had I not started the right, you know, at the right time, I would not be here right now. So, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, those are those are good tips, and I'll be sure to link everything you mentioned in the show notes as well. Perfect. And um, kind of before we land this plane, Mm -hmm. which has been a great conversation, by the way. So thank you for this. Yeah. Um, Do you have any parting words for? Let's say an entrepreneur out there who is wanting to potentially go down the same path that you did. Yes. Don't listen. Okay, so two things. Don't listen to anybody who you don't respect. Um, Uh You'll have... (laughs) They... uh, If you don't have... So, if you have haters, you're doing something right. Um, Because there's this crab-in-the-bucket mentality of, like, if you're trying to get out, nobody wants you to get out, and they'll try to keep pulling you down by telling you you're not going to make it or you're not going to do... You're not going to do what you want to do. Don't listen to them. Keep your blinders on and stay focused. Um, The other thing I would say is a lot of people um, have this whole weird, like, attachment to NDAs. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're an entrepreneur, the best thing you can do is tell people about your idea because people have thousands of ideas, Ideas are 1% of it. Execution is 99% of it. Like, you, everybody and their dog has an idea that's going to be the next Facebook or the next Google. It's um, about what you do with that idea and execute and how you execute um, that really matters. The only time that anybody's really going to steal your idea is if you're already far along. And by that time, you already have the advantage anyway. So, um, really, it comes down to telling as many people about your idea as possible and getting them to break it apart because there's a lot of things that you might have not thought about. Um, I've been working on this for six years <laughs> and we're just now to like MVPs. And that's not because it's been, that's not because I've been lazy or things have been slow. It's because building a business takes time, especially a business that is this big and making sure that you have all your ducks in a row um, is super crucial to, um, to success. And, you know, it, <laughs> And a lot of it is just searching for the right person to work with you on it, uh, especially if you're low on resources. Money, time, um, energy, you name it. I mean, they're, I think those are the two biggest, those are the two biggest takeaways I can give. I so. like that. Those are very tangible and something that I think people forget is in their control. Sometimes mm-hmm. we are the, the leaders of our own path, mm-hmm. right? We can choose what we want to do. So. Those, those are really great tips. Thank you, Tanner. Absolutely. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, and I'm looking forward to the next iteration of FanWave. Mm-hmm. I'll be sure to link the newsletter in the show notes so people can sign up. 
But um, thank you so much for coming on Coffee and Code today, Tanner. I'm glad we could finally make it happen. It has been an honor to be invited and be finally here after a year of, of planning and, right? and getting it all getting it all set up. I know you've been busy. I've been busy. So yeah, I'm really excited to have been here. And this was yeah, fantastic conversation. So thank you, Ashley. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee and Code share it with a friend. You can also support this podcast by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and you can also share it on social media. It doesn't matter if you have five or 500 or 5,000 followers, you have influence. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live. Thank you so much for listening to Coffee and Code.